to The Same Room. On this episode of The Same Room, I'm going to be joined by the amazing Dr. Caroline Leaf, neuroscientist and best-selling author, as well as the beautiful actress Amber Riley, best known for her recurring role on Glee and most recently Tyler Perry's Nobody's Fool. Our conversation is going to be centered on brainwashed. Are we conditioned to fail? If that sparks an interest in you, you don't want to miss this. Stay tuned. It's so amazing to be in the same room with a neuroscientist and an incredible actress Mm -hmm. to talk about our life's journeys and the things that we have learned that has conditioned us almost to fail. And when I speak about Mm -hmm. failure, I'm talking about the limitations that we often place on our mind or our potential. Um, Amber, you are no stranger to Dr. Lee's teachings. (laughs) (laughs) What is it about her Mm -hmm. that inspires you or has impacted your life? Um, I was going through a, a time in my life, so I've, I've dealt with anxiety my whole entire life. Didn't know what it was that I was dealing with until I got a little bit older. Went through, you know, the talking to doctors, went through medications, still not really getting better, just maintaining. And um, it wasn't until I did, I did Dream Girls in the UK a yeah. couple years ago. And it was just a high pressure situ- situation. Mm-hmm. And my anxiety had gotten so bad to the point where it was like physically making me sick and um I remember just being on YouTube I don't know how I found it but I actually saw um saw Dr. Caroline on uh Priscilla Shire's YouTube channel and um they were just giving that giving this amazing interview she was just talking about the brain and our thought life and um, it made me kind of go down the rabbit hole, get on YouTube, mm-hmm. and I started watching her lectures. And then, funny enough, my mom had already told me about her, but in true fashion, I did not listen to my mom. <laughs> Found it on my own. And I started reading her books, and it just, it literally just transformed my life. And I, it, it gave me my power back. She yeah. gave me my power wow. back. So. That's amazing. This is a moment right here. And even you saying that that she transformed your life and she mm-hmm. gave you your power back. Dr. Leaf, you normally talk about that we are being created in the image of God, that we were created perfect. And that's almost what you're referring to. Like you came back to that, the, the original nature of who you are. Um, how do you define what you mean by perfection? Yeah, that's a good good word and a lot of people have actually challenged me using that concept because mm-hmm. you know how we throw around the concept of I'm not perfect you know it's okay you're not perfect and yeah. and I always say actually you are because your <laughs> physical design and that's why I love science so much because science really helps us understand these very complex concepts about life in a very practical way even though science is complicated so perfection really if you look at the human body mm-hmm. there isn't anything in the brain or the body that is designed for anything but good thinking good feeling and good choosing so when we do think um, make choices or get toxic in our thinking our body starts to suffer because our mind and our brain and body are separate and the mind has to use the brain the mind works through the brain so the mind is this non-physical thing that's working through the brain and the body and if we don't use our mind in the way that our body's designed to handle it, it's a bit like taking a computer and you know throwing it on the floor and then wondering why the computer doesn't work anymore. <laughs> so the hardware of your brain and your body are designed for the correct kind of thinking. So when we use the concept of being made in God's image, and you know we all say that all the time, but what does it really mean? We're looking at love 
essentially God is love. And if you look at what love is, science has a lot to say, funnily enough, about love. <laughs> and that basically our physical body is wired to generate love energy. Yeah. And they, they measure it and they do all this fancy science to show that we're actually generating waves and, and the way that uh, as we are alive, all the, uh, uh, the way our heart beats and the way the blood flows through our body and the energy that we generate, it's naturally designed for, for love. And that's what this perfection means. So the physicals in that um, designed and wired for what we also call an optimism bias. So that's our natural inclination. And then our mind, which is separate from our brain, is the energy of thinking, feeling, and choosing. So the easiest thing is to think of the mind as thinking, feeling, and choosing. Okay. And it works through the brain and deposits the memory inside the brain. So that physical brain, there's a brain over there, yeah. that brain isn't producing your mind, your mind's working through it. And that's designed to handle good mind action. And so that's when you, you talk about just the difference between the mind and the brain. And I think that we have confused that for such a long time, that when we refer to the mind, you know, even when we point at the mind, it's like we're like trying to like point at the brain. We do, we but do. You, in your teaching, you talk about how the mind is actually what controls, controls the brain. Exactly. The brain, yeah. the brain just responds. So the brain just does what you tell it to do. So what's you telling it to do? It's your ability to think. It's your ability to feel, your ability to choose. Yeah. And that is designed for this optimism wired for love nature. Because if you think of it, we've got God's love design, which is this ability to think, feel, and choose correctly. Yeah. But the key is choose. Mm. So choice is our, is our issue. You know, we're responding, we're reacting, we're making yeah. choices in response to daily life. And a true love design allows for freedom of choice. And that's where things can fall out the bus. So what we can do is, what we do do, is we respond, all of us, there's no humans exempt from this. We all make wrong choices. We all think, feel, and choose. Those three go together. And when we think, feel, when we think, we feel, when we think and feel, we choose. And sometimes we make wrong choices. Mm -hmm. We respond in a toxic way. And then we keep responding in that way. And we set up habits. And those habits then are moving through our brain. And you explained this perfectly when you said that you got to the point where you felt physically ill. Because mm -hmm. your brain and body can't handle that anxiety. Because we don't have wiring for anxiety. Because we're not created. To... No, for that. No, yeah. we're not created for that. So we don't have like little special wiring or little areas of the brain that handle anxiety. What we have is a brain that's expecting a mind um, whoosh of energy for want of a simple explanation <laughs> that is aligned with this thing of making good choices and so on. Yeah. But life happens and we make wrong choices and we are going to make mistakes. We're going to tell, we all know that. But also that's the one side where we voluntarily do that. The other side is that we experience trauma. Yeah. We have events and things that happen to us that, and generally if there is an anxiety, and I'm sure you experience this and we've all you know, when you work through it with, with the doctors and things, is there's always a reason why. There's always a foundation to There's a root yes. that is connected exactly. to it. Absolutely. And it's interesting because even as you talk about this, um, the ability, because even when, you, when we think about choice, you know, no one is sitting down wanting to make the wrong choice. And so... Um, exactly. Yeah, so no one is like, so hey, why do we do why it? Do we do it? Exactly. And I think about even the society that we are in, mm -hmm. you know, what do you, just about thinking about that perfect nature, because I want to get back to what you said in regards to reaction and trauma, but even in that mindset of the perfect nature of a person, how would you respond to, when you look at society today, um, how, what, what about society reveals where we are mentally when, we, when it comes to mental health? Oh my gosh. There's a lot to be said. But, I mean, it's something that I often often pray about in this generation because, you know, there's been a lot of people coming out and 
the good what I'll say is there's a good thing that there is such shine on on mental health mm-hmm. now. Um that people are actually talking yeah. about it and they're taking the the stigma out of it. I think that that's amazing. Uh where it gets difficult is a lot of people don't know what to do after. That's right. They don't know and and you know, thank God I have amazing parents and mm-hmm. uh, I have a really great foundation and I have um a, um, a, a great village ar- around me that I can go and I can talk to. So my journey has been difficult, but I've had an outlet. Everyone doesn't have that. Yeah. You know, um, so it's it, it's just... It, no, I love what you said, yeah, that they don't know important. what to do after. Because I do believe mm-hmm. that this, this increase in the awareness of mental health has actually... It, it's almost counterproductive in a way mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you have more people that are finding their identities in whether it's depression or ADHD or bipolar disorder. Because I remember not too long ago, I was speaking on depression a little bit. And I was not... I was, it was just like maybe a few sentences. And people got so um, defensive mm-hmm. that it is my depression and this is the reason that I'm depressed. And so even though there is an awareness, it's almost like the awareness is great because it's it's beautiful to have language to explain, you know, to express what you're going through but and not suppress it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's that this awareness is making people find an identity in what they refer to as mental illness. And I feel like, or I believe rather, that the missing link is what you teach on. And -hmm. when you teach on the fact that the brain can renew itself, the brain can heal itself. And I don't think that people are having that conversation. And that's why I'm so excited about this. Because when you talk about the brain healing itself, you're speaking at a broad spectrum. You're speaking mm-hmm. to the person who has a bipolar disorder, the person who is clinically you know, depressed, the person who says they have a chemical imbalance. I want you to speak mm-hmm. on that. Okay, so both of you said very powerful and very relevant information and things and very good, con- uh, brilliant concepts. What we need to do is talk about a new narrative completely. Yeah. So when we talk about people owning bipolar and talking about my anxiety disorder or my bipolar, that's the language that has been given in terms of diagnosis. Mm -hmm. People have been Mm -hmm. given this thing. So what's happened now is we have mental health that has been categorized as an illness that affects certain people. That's completely wrong. It's not scientific. It's not spiritual. And it's not accurate or true. And yes, it's helpful and it's not helpful. So let me start by saying this. First of all, I totally and utterly sympathize and identify with what it means to feel anxious, depressed. Listen, I'm a mom. I have four kids. I've been through stuff. We've all been through stuff. I've worked with thousands of people in my practice. I have total and utter um, sympathy for the relevance and the importance of the fact that life is tough, that there's struggles, that depression, all these things. These are real, very, very real issues, but they're not illnesses. Mm. They're not disorders. They are simply the struggles of life. It's the human condition. Mm -hmm. So we have to completely look at this from a different angle and realize that there was nothing wrong with you. There was nothing wrong with X person or whatever. There's nothing. You don't have bipolar. It doesn't even exist. What we have is a name that is actually describing a symptom that is describing an underlying issue. So anxiety, bipolar, bipolar depression, um, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, all these names are simply descriptions of symptoms of something that's going on. And what is going on, that could be either either one of two categories, trauma-related or it's toxic habits that we haven't known how to control. So we've got to stop talking about mental illness 
And the reason we talk about mental illness and saying it's on the rise, it's not mental illness that's on the rise. It's the mismanagement of mental illness that's wow. created a whole new thing, which then goes to your point that people don't know what to do after. So you get a diagnosis, you get a label, which is supposed to destigmatize and give you description. But what it's done is it's taken something that's psychological and lumped it into something that's medical. And it's not medical. It's wow. life. It's the condition of life. There isn't a human who's exempt from mental ill health. Every time we experience trauma, which every single one of us will, if you're not going through something now, guaranteed in the next few years you will. If someone in your member of your family is, you, you are and someone else in your family isn't, guaranteed in the next five years, someone in your family yeah. is going to go through something major. This is not something new. This is something old. And this is something that applies to every human. So it's not a mental illness per se. We've got to stop talking about that. We've got to say, hey, all of us. And changing the narrative. The village. We are all changing the narrative that we are all going through things why we react in different ways that's our uniqueness that's our and the reason why it throws us and puts us into states where we feel caught up is because we've stepped out of alignment with our natural nature which is that optimism bias and that's okay if you've failed and if you've made the mistake if you've thought the wrong thoughts if you've got the toxic thoughts you can't let guilt and condemnation keep you stuck yeah. And that's what's happening. People feel guilty and condemned. I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be anxious. I've got the scriptures. I've got the words. I shouldn't. This so there's tremendous guilt there. Yeah. There's tremendous guilt around. Oh, I've got my label. I've got my meds. Why do I still feel bad? You know. So there's a lot of that keeping people stuck. So we've got to throw all that narrative out and start relooking at. Okay, we are humans. We're in life. It's the human condition. We all struggle. We've all got our issues. How do we manage that? How do we help each other manage that? Yeah. How do we come together as And I love as what you're village? saying that it, it starts by us changing the narrative. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because um, what we're seeing right now in our generation is this need to understand what a person is dealing with because of the phrase that it's a chemical imbalance. And the, the part with biology that scares people is that these are things that we think that would not change. Mm -hmm. And so it almost creates this hopeless narrative mm -hmm. as we talk about changing yeah. the narrative. Mm -hmm. what, what can you speak to um, this whole concept of a chemical imbalance? Okay, well, first of all, the good news is that it's a complete myth. <laughs> it's not at all scientific. Um, so and it's basically a very nice propaganda that sells medication. Some a lot of people, pharmaceutical industries, are making a lot of money out of it. Wow. So this it was an idea that came into being about sixty years ago. A scientist proposed it, a, a, a physician, and spent his rest of his life trying to understand it. And when he died, he said, "This doesn't work. This is not going to work." But the narrative had been picked up by the pharmaceutical industry because wow. it aligned with the when they found the first psychotropic medication which is like an antipsychotic. And that gave birth to the whole industry of, and in, it is an industry, the industry of medications for mental illness. Mm -hmm. So an industry was born about 60 years ago, and that industry was one of mental illness that needs to be the domain of, the me of medicine, and it needs to be diagnosed like a heart problem or diabetes, which is very often the example that's used, and yeah. that it needs medication. Now that model's called the biomedical model, and it works brilliantly for the physical body. So if you've got a heart problem, you need the blood test, you need the various different types of different types of testing you do, etc. Yeah. And you can actually see what's wrong, and you can you can medicate. That works for the, the physical body. Doesn't work for the psychology. Doesn't work for the mind. Mm. The mind is a whole different 
ball game, a whole different animal, it's a whole different non-physical, it's the spiritual part of us. So you can't, and it's also completely and utterly unique And that's why person. there's no such thing as like a mental illness. No, there's no such yeah. thing as mental illness. If you say, like when you say mental illness, you take hope away and that's something that you were mentioning. Yeah. That you take hope away because what you're saying is it's almost as scary as saying you have cancer. You tell someone they've got cancer, the hope, you know, there's like a lot of trauma involved in that. Yeah. The same thing, like if you are suffering from if you were raped or bullied or abused or went through some kind of something which we all go through and you've reacted in your unique way, how can I ever, number one, presume to understand what you've gone through because it's your unique experience yeah. so how can I sit back and say oh from a 15-minute questionnaire you have an anxiety disorder mm -hmm. so really you feel terrible now you get told that you're crazy or your brain's broken mm -hmm. or that you are now ill and those tests are not as what you said 15-minute questionnaire because these not tests scientific. are they're I mean they're you have even, some that are even shorter than 15 minutes you and immediately on, you're prescribed we, we could go fill in the, on internet now we could go fill in some questionnaires wow. and we would That's all the crazy. people do it's <laughs> real the goal is, and, and I know this because I've been in this field for many years, the goal mm -hmm. is to basically label people and diagnose and medicate because it's a very financially profitable industry. Wow. And not everyone, obviously, who's in that is as aware as they should be, but there is um, a very big awareness that this is an industry that's not helping people. Because even with Amber, when you talked about anxiety, um, did you feel, were you were you ever in that place where you felt hopeless like this is my anxiety? Oh yeah, I, I definitely like fought that that was my diagnosis and you know there's no hope. <laughs> you know my mom would tell me because you know my mom is Christian. I grew up in a Christian household, and she's like you can't claim that over yourself. Mm -hmm. But my feeling is I'm dealing with it, so obviously this is the diagnosis. You know there's mm -hmm. there's no you know so when you're saying. I think what people feel like when you say that they don't have what they say that they have is you are diminishing their 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 struggle. I think that that's, that's the perception, which yeah. is the incorrect perception. You've yes. verbalized that beautifully. And if mm -hmm. I can pick up on that, yeah. what we want to say is what you're going through is incredibly real. Mm -hmm. This is like serious. By giving you a diagnosis, we're not acknowledging the reality of it, yes. you're suppressing the reality. So the diagnosis is not actually acknowledging, yeah. it's lumping it and shoving it in a corner. Whereas if I said, okay, Amber, let's, uh, let's talk, let's see this, tell me, talk, and I just listen in a non-judgmental, loving way to the story of, of what's going on. And as you talk through and you get the context of the whole person, that takes a lot of time. Yeah. That takes, and that's what they don't, you know, the industry doesn't want to do, but that's yes. the reality is that you have a whole story. And as you talk it through and as you verbalize and as you identify, Fine. It may take a few days, a few hours, few who knows how long. It's a life journey of understanding and getting to the root. That is acknowledging your pain. Mm -hmm. That is hearing your story. By lumping you and saying there's something inside your head between your ears that's causing you to feel this, how can you say to someone who's been through something, like a trauma of some sort, tell them that you are feeling that pain because you have diseased? someone's just cut back from war or someone's just been yeah. raped or someone's just been abused in some way or gone through something and you tell them you're diseased it's very normal to react and to abuse and rape etc and, and something interesting because you mentioned you grew up in a christian home because yeah. i think this would be it's because i think one of the, the reasons that this may contribute to this need to protect what you're feeling um i think is also the misconception that when a Christian says you'll be fine like mm -hmm. you know it's you, you know you're gonna make it through that it is almost this vague idea that 
okay, I know you, you know, God heals everything, but this is my symptom. This is what I'm going through. And I wonder if within, even amongst believers or amongst Christians or amongst um, religious people, that there is this need to protect your diagnosis, um, if you may say, because of the idea that if a, if a Christian hears you talk about, you know, I'm dealing with depression, it's like, hey, let's pray about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. ignoring that, okay, you're going through a real, you know. Well, in my family, it wasn't that my mom was trying to put a blanket on, mm -hmm. I, I call it a Jesus blanket. <laughs> Jesus she wasn't blanket. trying to put a Jesus blanket on what I was going through. I think she was more trying to get me out of the confession because I, I, I feel like the reason that I was really drawn to her teaching is because it is scientific, but it's also backed by what's in exactly. the word of God. And that's how amazing I think that God is because he does everything for a reason. Yeah. You know, he's strategic. And I'm reading this and I'm like crying and I'm overwhelmed because now I can use the word of God to help me. But I'm also understanding what's going on physically in, in my body and, and, I, I, I do think that what you're saying um, is is very real uh, as far as um, church is concerned. You can't just put a Jesus blanket on everything mm -hmm. and just and only pray about it. You have to have action behind it also. So getting in therapy, reading a book, you know, whatever it is that it is for me personally that I did um, it's still a journey also. That's right. I, I That's haven't arrived sick. anywhere <laughs> at all. Exactly. I'm still retraining myself when those negative thoughts come to counter them yeah. with scripture or counter them with confessions or you know not wallow and sit in it I'm still I'm still learning learning that because I'm in a high pressure I'm an entertainer I'm in a high pressure business yeah where all you do is deal with judgment you know and in this uh this social environment also dealing with people wanting to know your opinions all the time and then you know debating and all of that so it's a very anxious world mm. and all of it is is right there on your phone yeah. social media mm. you mm. know um the the news coming straight to your phone it's all immediate yeah so i've mm. had to learn how to instantly um deal with those things and it's it's all it's all training though yeah and i want to speak to that because mm. even when you say you know counter it with scripture or you know like when these thoughts come up to to you know, to choose that thought. You talk about yeah. like selecting, you know, our thoughts and so that we choose healthier thoughts. Um, and even talking about the, in your industry, you know, right now in a social media age, I think that anxiety has increased at a all time high because we're constantly looking and comparing mm -hmm. ourselves to other people. And there is this new thing. Uh, I don't know if it's a new thing, but I mean, for me, it seems new when it comes to visualization and speaking, you know, like positive thinking, positive speech. But I want to hear um, your thoughts on that, because when you talk about, because sometimes even in doing that, we may not believe what we're saying. And you mentioned that that is actually toxic for the brain, that exactly. if you say something that you don't believe, mm -hmm. how do, where's the balance in that? Where's the balance of um, being selective about your words to mm -hmm. sp saying something mm -hmm. that you don't believe when it comes to this idea of positive speech thinking. and thinking? And Okay, so brilliant question and your answer that you gave just now is really excellent and and what's you both hit on very important points mm -hmm. we can't just say something whether it's a positive affirmation or whether it's a scripture and hope that those words are going to convince 
yeah. or bodies yeah. <laughs> to line up. Yeah. So you have to have what you call, you know, you can't have what we call cognitive dissonance where they're mm -hmm. out of alignment. So positive affirmations and using a scripture like a positive affirmation is using God as a magic, you know, as a genie and scriptures <laughs> as a magic potion. And that's very often what happens just to answer the prayer thing and then to link it back to the positive affirmations because there's kind of the same, yeah. same point is that we've, I'm not saying that, that um, people don't use scriptures with absolute intense belief behind them. Obviously, there's, there's that. But there is an inclination in this day and age to, oh, I'll pray for you. You know, why aren't you, you know, like and then kind of the judgment of why aren't you better? With, that's using a scripture like a magic potion. Or if you're feeling terrible inside and you're using a scripture or you're using a positive affirmation mm -hmm. to try and suppress that feeling because you can't handle it. It's there. It's alive. What we need to understand is that thoughts are real things. Thoughts occupy mental real estate. Real, real estate. Um, so in other words, when you think and you feel and you choose, you actually switch your genes on in your DNA and you wow. make physical proteins that hold little computers, tiny computers, neuro quantum bio, neurobiological computers that group together into branches that look like a plant, literally in your brain, this little plant over here. Yeah. And you are growing thoughts that look like trees. And so every thoughts, branches... I just want to even... Thoughts are real things. things. We create wow. matter out of mind. We're changing structure in our brain. And that's why when I talk about coming back to everything we've said so far, um, why we can't just take a scripture that's something very positive or a positive affirmation mm -hmm. and just say it because what you're saying is I hope that this is going to take away my feeling of pain which is coming from the fact that I was bullied or the fact that I um, was that my identity was crushed or the mm -hmm. fact that you have a, a partner or boss or someone that's treating you badly or there's something that's really going on in your life just saying oh I'm going to pray or I'm going to say a scripture or God will meet all my needs is just trying to put a band-aid on the wound yeah. and that creates tremendous um, dissonance because deep down inside we've got a toxic tree so if we look back at this one over here <laughs> yeah, like we've a got a thought <laughs> one and that is as you think feel and choose that that combination of energy switches on like you switch a light on. So a toxic thought literally would look similar to like this in the brain. Pretty much because wow. healthy thoughts look like healthy trees and mm -hmm. toxic thoughts look like distorted wiry trees. Yeah. So that's literally and they build on top of the neurons in the brain. So the brain is made up of these nerve cells and then the tops of the tree are these branches. So as you're listening to me now, you're growing those branches to hold my words. Yeah. And that's a short-term memory that you're forming. So that's what memory looks like. So when I say thoughts are real, that's what you're growing. And you grow those in response to daily experiences. Yeah. So your thinking, feeling, and choosing is resulting in a physical thing. So if you are believing, you've spent a lot of time believing that um, X, Y, or Z about yourself, that you can't do this, that life just sucks and that everything's always going to go wrong and that people are looking at you like this and that well, so if you've got that belief system um, that everything's negative and that look at you failed again and possibilities just there's I can't see anything to, you know that kind yeah. of I'm just not going to forgive I'm so angry or whatever those mindsets are toxic so by having that mindset as your view of life and multiple mindsets that of the toxic mindsets. And then you say, oh, um, my God shall meet all my needs. <laughs> You're trying to put something like that on top of that. The energies don't, it's like putting oil and water together. Yeah. They don't mix. 
So that creates tremendous conflict in ourselves. And that goes back to the very first question, we're wired for love, we're not wired for toxicity. Yeah. So therefore creates, um, it creates this um, literally like damage in the brain, this energy that's like shaking up the brain and creating neurochemical chaos and every cell of your body is affected. You know and what I love about this? Because I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that God is very um, practical mm -hmm. and he, he is... And he's, he's, he's concerned for our natural response. He, he looks after our natural response. And I think that sometimes in wanting to please God, we just want to say the right things. And yeah. it's like that, no, God cares about what is that natural response and how do I help you heal that natural response? Mm -hmm. And so not doing the Jesus blanket or... Yeah, because you can't cover it because this is still mm -hmm. exists. It's still there. It exists. Brain. Once it's built, it's there forever. You know, every thought you build is a life for eternity. Yeah. So everything. So if you choose wrong or react wrong, involuntarily through trauma it's alive it's living it's mm -hmm. in your mind and it's in your brain so the only thing you can do one of two things you keep it and you break down and you start coming out with symptoms of the the depression anxiety whatever that just shows that your brain can't handle it those depression all those big words are simply yeah. showing that you out of your wired for love perfection thing and all of us do it so it's totally normal we yeah. must all understand that it's very real so we either keep it or we reconceptualize right. it. We redesign it. Mm -hmm. We take that and say, okay, I did fail. But Thomas Edison failed a thousand times and he didn't see that failure as a failure when he was yeah. asked, well, how do you feel about your thousand failures before you hit the light bulb success? He said, they weren't failures. Yeah. They were, now they are a thousand things I know not to do. Just recently I was having a conversation, I've got four children with one of my daughters. And she was telling me, and here I'm thinking, like, I know everything about parenting, like you think you do, but then you realize you don't know anything. And she was telling me just about an incident in her teenage years. And I thought, my goodness, how did I miss that? <laughs> and she I really messed up big time. And I wow. felt immediately like such a failure. And then I thought, okay, what am I going to do? This is okay. Are we gonna, are we gonna re I'm going to reconceptualize this by yeah. me listening, taking ownership for what I did wrong, her having the freedom in a non-judgmental environment to tell me what I had done wrong, me to be able to listen and talk it through and reconceptualize. That thought's a lie. What I did was creative, yeah. but I could reconceptualize. So I can't change what happened. And how and define um, reconceptualize. So I can't reconceptualize means I can't change what's done. Yeah. But I can change how that past plays out into the future. That's, That's beautiful. powerful. Okay. Mm -hmm. So God is beyond space and time. Love is beyond space and time. So I can go into the nowness and alwaysness of God, which means that the past and the present and the future blend so I can take this moment with my daughter and I can yeah. say okay this is a chance for me to say sorry to learn what not to do to make sure that this never happens again to break that in our generation because I realized my mom did the same thing to me her mother the same thing yeah. to her we have a chance to break a generational uh, behavior pattern um, to, for her to pass that on me to whatever so reconceptualizing was redesigning reformulating and seeing how that could be transformed into something that's positive so now i know what i did but it doesn't just it's not toxic anymore it's not consuming me with guilt so it really seems like what we're talking about um here is the power of awareness mm. um the power that it's, it doesn't have to end like this. It doesn't, I don't, my life doesn't have to continue this way because Amber, when you shared about anxiety, mm -hmm. that powerful moment was learning that, wait, I don't have a mental illness, that this 
condition or situation or how I'm feeling is not hopeless. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. that even in our society today, because when we look at this, you know, the toxic tree and we're, we, you know, trying to put the Jesus blanket or the positive affirmations that mm -hmm. we may not even believe, mm -hmm. um, it just, it brings to mind the increase in the rate of suicide mm -hmm. and not just the rate of it, even the age at which mm -hmm. children are talking about suicidal mm. thoughts and different things. How do you, how do you speak to that? You know, and mm. even before, right before we get into that, I want to even ask you in the industry, what do you see just when it comes to anxiety and almost like this conflict that people may have within themselves with wanting to be positive, but not dealing with the root cause of whatever these issues are in the mind with this toxic Right here. Um, I think in this society we put up a front and we want to look, uh, have a certain look, or or seem like we have it all together. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even know how to how to. I don't even know how to really say this, but even sometimes in the industry, I don't know if the word is glamorized or they sens sensationalize. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, um, dealing with mental health. It's almost like it sometimes has gotten people more more attention and um mm. i feel like we need to start talking more about how we're moving past it yeah as mm. opposed to um acting out in it you know that's, um that's good. Uh, mm. it would help a lot more people because you know there's young people that look up to us i have young people that come mm -hmm. up to me and and say just a song that i did or you know it uh it has greatly affected them or uh, made them feel better, or whatever the case may be, or made them realize things about themselves. But I just feel like in this industry, um, people need to get past the sitting in it and making it seem like it's um, in a weird way. I don't want to. I, I, I don't want to seem judgmental because I'm not trying to judge. But from what it is that I'm seeing, I feel like people are making it seem like it's cool, glamorous. like a step glamorous. of glamorous, or it's cool, or it <laughs> makes you edgy, or yeah. you know, there's mm -hmm. something about it. Someone and, gets me too, or yeah. Mm -hmm. As opposed to saying, "Hey, I'm dealing with this, and this is how I'm I'm moving forward, or moving yeah. past it, or this is how I'm I'm getting help." Because going back to that awareness mm -hmm. that. I, this is not how my life should be. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we're having that conversation. And that's why I think that even when it comes to suicide, because with children, when mm -hmm. children are committing suicide, when children are talking about having suicidal thoughts, that, that narrative is not being discussed in the home. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so there's not, there's no narrative of, okay, yes, this is what you're going through, but you can come out of it. It's almost as though this is your diagnosis and mm -hmm. you need medication mm -hmm. for this. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. So the two quick parts of the question, mm -hmm. awareness and suicide. Yeah. And this kind of the link between it. And then also how you've picked up on awareness and the awareness of the whole mental health issue. And on the one hand, it being good because people are more open, but on the other hand, it's negative because people are making it like a glamorous thing. Mm -hmm. But it's also causing more. There's a link, definitely linked to suicide because yeah. suicides have increased. There's one every 40 seconds. Wow. And it's happening younger one and younger. One in every Every 40 four, seconds, 40 someone seconds. is committing suicide. Wow. And um, and I've, I've done blogs. And by the way, all these things you're talking about, I've done blogs and posts and um, podcasts and that kind of stuff on this stuff if you want to go deeper, but essentially awareness is vital, number one, part two, mm -hmm. and then we'll talk about the suicide things, is that okay? Yeah. I'll answer the awareness thing first. We have to self-regulate, We ha and self-regulate requires the first step of awareness. So when we become aware of, okay, this is how I'm thinking, it's a celebration, even if it's toxic thinking, even if it's like, wow, this is really bad thinking, but the mere fact that you are aware, what we know from science is that you've weakened 
that issue. So the minute that something is in your face, and think, oh my gosh, like my daughter telling me I acted like that, or you see, hey, I've got a really bad way I'm getting bitter about this all the time, or I always react like that. Mm. Whenever you're aware of anything, that's great because research shows that the minute that you're aware of something, you've weakened the actual toxic thought. Wow. Remember, thoughts are real things. So by awareness, I'm now taking that little tree in my brain and with my mind, I'm bringing it and shining a spotlight on it. As soon as that spotlight's shining on it, it's weaker. So now the little branches are like weak and the chemicals are weakening, which means I can change it. So the brain can change, mm. which is a comment you made earlier that you wanted to ask me about, yeah. the fact that the brain can be changed. Can be changed. Can't change itself. It can be changed. So I choose to be aware. I choose to self-regulate. I choose to see this mental health thing is not mm -hmm. mental ill health. That doesn't exist. It's not the same as diabetes. Mental health is there. My own, that's, and, and my mind is over here. They're separate things. I'm not going to be uh, going down the road of mental health being an illness. It's the same as heart medicines or, I mean, a, a biological disease. It's not biological. Mental ill health is not biological. That's the number one awareness yeah. for starting to make change. So let's keep the body where it is and let's get the mind, the where, mind it is. where it is. And now let's deal with the mind. Let's put the body back out there. It's not, we're not dealing with diabetes at the yeah. moment. We're not dealing with heart disease. We're dealing because with... Because diabetes, the, sorry. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> with diabetes, you're talking about insulin. With the mind, you can't prescribe. No, we can't do that. Because even, just even as you, you continue, yeah. because just what you said, like, Put in the the body and put in the mind in in, in its own place. Put them in their place because you yeah. can't just prescribe a chemical for the brain. Exactly because it's not like um, yeah. Prozac is what's missing in your brain. <laughs> yeah. It's like someone who's who's anxious in a social situation. They take maybe have a couple of drinks that calms them down. They walk. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they have fixed a social problem. They needed alcohol to fix it. Their brain was missing alcohol, the chemical <laughs> alcohol. So they had to put that back. And that's what we're saying. All these psychotropic yeah. drugs like antidepressants, antipsychotics, anti-anxiety yeah. meds, these are not putting something back that your brain is missing. They are actually just numbing the brain. Numbing the they're brain. the Jesus blanket, but they're the chemical <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. The, they're the, the chemical medical blanket. Chemical they, they're Jesus very often blanket. called chemical and straitjackets. That's very often all brain wow. disabling chemical straitjackets. So it's really the same concept. So yeah. what we need to do is we need to deal with our pain. So it's an awareness of mind body separate awareness of okay i must now be aware of what i'm what i'm going through and also the the toxic issues that i have chosen to mm -hmm. kind of keep in my life because if i've got a bad habit of getting irritated all the time or getting shouty or whatever i don't know whatever it is getting jealous or envious or whatever it may be I, I, my awareness weakens it. My awareness of I'm anxious because there actually was maybe some big trauma in my life. I can be aware, I can change. So awareness is vital for change. Yeah. And that is a thing to celebrate. So I don't get stuck in it. I don't go digging back for years and years, but I realize, okay, this anxiety has a root. The root is this, why that happened to me, why the person bullied, why the person trafficked, why the person this, why the, you're never gonna get that answer. So that we don't do. We don't go yeah. down that awareness road. We go down to the awareness road of, okay, this is why I feel anxious. So now this I'm going to reconceptualize. I'm going to redesign. It's part of my life. It's part of my suffering. It shapes my life. I redesign. I reconceptualize that into that. And it's part of my story. Can you see that? That all requires awareness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if I don't do that, if I don't reconceptualize, that life, that thought's a life for eternity. So this thing's a life for eternity. You keep these things Whatever you think about the most will grow. So when we choose as humans, which we do, to keep these things, we give them energy. 
Whatever you think about the most is we'll growing. Grow. I love that statement. Whatever See? you think about, about the, the most, most will we'll grow. grow. Why do you think that self-awareness, we run from ourselves? Because it's not like anyone is, you know, watching our thoughts. Why do we think, because um, I am a firm believer that self-awareness is really the key to self-mastery. Mm -hmm. You can't master what you don't know. Um, so if you know that, okay, hey, I have jealousy issues, or you know what, I'm, I recognize that I'm dealing with pride, and to to be aware of that so I can heal from that and recognize that, okay, I don't have to be this way. Um, why do you think, because uh, if, if I ask myself the question, I would say we're distracted, but I would like to ask, what do you think is the, the reason for that? That people run away from self-awareness? Mm -hmm. I feel like people try to run away because you can't really run away. There's no, there's no actual way to run away. Yeah. You're, you're going to be dealing with it and your actions are going to show it. If it's there, yeah, um, we ignore it. <laughs> um, we end up hurting others. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, I also think we don't like to have that responsibility. 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 When I got into therapy, I, I, I started saying before I got into therapy, I started telling myself those things that happened to you mm -hmm. that may have caused trauma are now your responsibility. The trauma is now your responsibility. You got you got to figure out that, that's how to deal with it, yeah. and, and people don't want to deal with that's it. That's a powerful yeah. statement. Responsibility. We mm -hmm. don't want to take responsibility because, and it's so even almost by nature, we find more pleasure when we can point a finger yeah. and say, "You're the reason this exactly. happened. You're the reason that happened." Responsibility. What? Responsibility, awareness. They totally go together because you can't not. As soon as you're aware, you if you don't take responsibility, as you've just said, mm -hmm. you're going to point a finger, mm -hmm. and then you're going to then you become a victim. You know, you, yeah. that's always the that victim. But the way, <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. So now. Now that and that that in itself is a side effect and it's going to keep you stuck here. So wow. this this negative cycle starts going around and you can become a person who lives inside that victim mentality. But the thing that we can do is when we get awareness and we take responsibility, we can actually now celebrate the changes that we are that we can make inside yeah. of our brain. So those those are very closely linked. We can now now we're aware, okay now I can actually redesign and reconceptualize. Mm. And that's not what we've been trained to do. Mm. That's not what we when you said people don't go further, what do you how do you manage your mind that manages everything else. That's what I'm trying to help people do. Because <laughs> you've got to get your. So if we don't come into the suicide question, so yeah. awareness, responsibility. You know, we don't want to take the responsibility. Quickly to speak to that, and then the suicide link. You can't control the events and circumstances of your life, mm -hmm. yeah. so, because they are the result of other people's choices. So what you learned in therapy, and what we all need to learn as humans, and this is a lesson every single one of us have to realize that we need to learn, is that. Other people make choices and those choices affect you. Yeah. You can either live under the, um, entangled in the chains of those choices and, and, and continue to go down the hole where your body and mind break down or you can forgive and release that mm -hmm. because you can't change the circumstances but there's something that you have power over and that's your reactions. Mm. Yeah. So your reactions, so awareness, responsibility then leads to how you're going to react. So my reaction is, okay, if I know that I can reconceptualize, that means I can, and, and I know how to, then I can take that and I can transform that into that. Yeah. And then I can, then what I've been through can be part of my struggle. I can reshape and then that part of your character. Now you have a story to tell and now yeah. you can help someone else. If we don't do that, we will get to the suicidal ideation. Not everyone will commit suicide, obviously not. But the mere fact that we have 40, one every 40 seconds and that it's happening younger and younger, 
we have to look at, I mean, you look at Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade, all these yeah. people that have got it together. You know, we see so many. Okay, so we've got to look, yes, drugs can create a lot of suicidal. When I take about, talk about drugs, I'm talking about psychotropics, antidepressants, mm -hmm. etc. Antidepressants, they can yeah. cause um, various, that's one of the side effects is suicidal ideation. The other thing is that when you have so much of this inside of you, it causes the most unimaginable unseen pain no one can see wow. your pain so you can have the smiley face i mean kate spade had access to some of the greatest therapists because this in, again in going back to where thoughts are real things exactly in the brain. They real so things. it's existing it's even no matter how much you you smile you laugh this is still it's existing still in there. your brain and if it's getting bigger and bigger we're not dealing with it even and even even in therapy kate spade she had lots of therapy it's not like and a lot of these people, so it's not, we can't, and there's no judgment. When people are in a place where they are trying to kill themselves, yeah. they don't want to die. I mean, I've spoken to even people suicide, that have been at that point. There's something you said about how it's, um, it's almost like, a, it's like someone who is mentally desperate. It's mentally desperate. I mean, yeah. I have worked with people that have actually tried and it's failed. Yeah. And that have been in that position where it's in their mind. But people that have actually, close to me that have, you know, in my own family that have had, that gone through that. So I know the pain there. Now those people, when they, and from the work that I've done, it's like being on a, on a burning building. The, mm -hmm. There's a fire behind you and either you fall in the fire and die or you jump off the building and you die. Yeah. So which one do you choose? So people that commit suicide or try or have such unimaginable, invisible pain wow. that they don't want to jump off the building, yeah. but they don't can't deal with that anymore so that's not a weakness it yeah. is not it is a complete and utter torment and society's not allowing a space for this we're not allowing people because there is a solution to suicide and that solution is the village it's the talking yeah. it's the connection it is me recognizing hey i haven't seen that person around for a few days let me go phone them and see if they're okay it is that person who's too depressed to reach out that you reach out to mm -hmm. it's sitting next to someone holding their hand and saying I'm listening. I'm not judging. I'm not going to tell you, say anything. I'm just going to listen. I'm here for you. It's knowing, it's creating an environment where we recognize the socioeconomic and political pressures yeah. that people are under, the fear, the anxiety. Someone who's come back from war, they need to be told, hey, listen, I haven't been through what you've been through, but I do know that if I had been in your position, I probably would have reacted worse than that. How can I help you? That social media can be used in that platform. That you don't have to have a PhD, you don't have to be a doctor, you don't have to have any qualification to help someone not commit suicide or help someone not deal with that anxiety. I mean, to deal with that anxiety. You just have to have love. You have to have the care and the compassion and the realization that you're a human, that we're all human, that it yeah. is human to care. It's the most natural thing. And honestly, it's sometimes just that smile that look that will be mm -hmm. enough and we need to recognize as well socioeconomically when there's a high rate of suicide when people lose jobs when they can't fend for their families there's a high rate of suicide amongst kids because of bullying the isolation that comes yeah. from um, social media which is created which is fantastic but it's also created isolation and humans will die in isolation yeah you know so we can as society resolve suicide very quickly if yeah. we go back to being human again you know, I, I really love this conversation because at the core of it, what, what I believe that people are going to take away is one awareness, you know, the awareness that even helps us to change the narrative of what we're discussing amongst ourselves when it comes to mental health, when it comes to knowing how to even be there for one another, um, even when we speak about taking responsibility of 
our choices and our decisions mm -hmm. when we speak about the sometimes there are actions that other people would make that we are you know, we are, I don't want to use the word victims to, yeah. but that, you know, that affect our lives. But I also think that even the awareness of knowing that we also make choices that affect exactly. the lives of other exactly. people. So yes. it helps we're us. All we, we're all in it together. It's the human condition. Yeah. So it's not that it's ever, you know, unfair or unjust because no. at some point we also move in brokenness and we've made decisions exactly. or we've made choices like you shared about what you did not even recognize that happened in with your daughter. Yeah. Um, so when we see that, that we are all in this together and we all have a role to play, it's just fascinating because to me it connects back to the word of God in Romans 12 too, when it talks about that be transformed by the renewing of, of your mind. mind. And the how science and the word of God, you know, I love what you say, how science is literally catching up to what God has said. Exactly. I always say science, uh, yeah. science is the how-to and the Bible is the story. It's the story. story and the how-to. I love that. You know, so you've got the, I love that. It's yeah. a complete blend of, of the two. They exactly. Love it, so so I, I think that, you know, everyone watching this, what we really want you to take from this is the awareness. If, if there's one main thing that you took from this episode is the awareness to recognize that you are not in this by yourself. You are not hopeless. No matter what you're going through, there is still hope because we are created. The brain is even created to change. Can I say it change mm -hmm. itself? Or we have the power to we change. change the brain. We change the brain. Mm -hmm. And so with our thinking, feeling, without and thinking, choosing. This and is that beautiful. awareness is the thinking, feeling, and choosing. The awareness, the taking responsibility. Wow. And that Ill mental illness is not on the rise. I think that's a massive takeaway too, isn't it? Yeah. Mental illness is not on the rise. Because we don't have, it's not, no, we're not going not through a, mental no, illness. It's not mental People illness. are running yeah. like, like you're saying, it's scarlet fever or something. People <laughs> exactly. are like, that's oh exactly. no, the first time I'm sad. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it does. Yeah, people think it's an illness. They think that it mm -hmm. follows your jobs, it follows your insurance, it follows your life. Yeah. It's not an illness. That's it's really, not an illness. It is it's a human, human condition. A human condition. beautiful. It's a human condition. And so yeah. we cannot label it as a medical problem. No, it's, it's the, not human, a condition it's the of human life. condition of life. Beautiful. Next, on the same room. Welcome back to the same room. On this episode, we're going to piggyback off on the conversation we had with Dr. Caroline Leaf, the incredible neuroscientist and best-selling author, as well as Amber Riley, the beautiful actress who is best known for her recurring role on Glee and most recently, Tyler Perry's Nobody's Fool. Now, we left you speaking about brainwashed. Are we conditioned to fail? On part two of this conversation, we're going to be speaking about getting back to the room.